Turning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show Hosted by a guy called Jumpy Ellie Tuning into Jumpy Ellie's basketball show At JumpyEllie.com This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I'm going to try a a different type of show today. We're going to do a theme show. We're going to spend just about the entire time talking about Thanksgiving and sports history. So we're going to talk about Thanksgiving Day games. We're going to talk about Turkey Stearns. We're going to talk about some of the top college football games, a little bit about the Lions and the Cowboys. And if we have time, we're going to touch on the top 10 NFL head coaches in the history of the sport, or pro football head coaches, the top 10 pro football head coaches in the history of pro football. So obviously a special day for everybody, Um, a day to be thankful, a day to sit and be around your loved ones. And we'll try to get the podcast up so if anybody could listen to it and just, you know, take the time to cherish those that are around you, your family. You know, if you're fortunate enough to have your entire family or the majority of your family here with you, be thankful for it, be grateful for it and spend some time maybe talking about those family members that maybe are no longer with you and share some great memories, but also create some new memories. So, One of the things that sticks out or stands out when it comes to Thanksgiving Day is pro football. And, you know, there's been Thanksgiving Day games forever, really since the inception, since 1920. There's been pro football games played on Thanksgiving. And if you think of some of the best ones, the biggest games to ever happen in history, um, you think of Peyton Manning. And 2004, he goes out there, he throws six touchdown passes in a win against Detroit. Yeah, you think of Earl Campbell running for almost, you know, was it almost 200 yards, 195 yards, three touchdowns in 1979 in a win against Dallas. Uh, You can think of the butt fumble game if you want. Mark Sanchez, obviously, you know, the ball, you know, gets dislodged from him as he makes contact with, the uh, behind of his center that happened on Thanksgiving Day. And how about 1974? Clint Longley comes in relief of the great Roger Stallback, the team trailing the Redskins 16-3, to throws for over 200 yards and a couple touchdowns, leads the Dallas Cowboys to a 24-23 win. Speaking of Dallas, you know, it's hard to forget 1993. That's the Leon Lett game. The game in which it looked like the Dallas Cowboys were going to win. Field goal in the snow, obviously snowy and icy conditions. And in Dallas, the ball gets kicked. It's blocked. Looks like the game's going to be over and the Dallas Cowboys are going to win. But, you know, in comes Leon Lett. Bumbling, rumbling, and stumbling down the field. You know, falls on the ball, tries to fall on the ball, ends up booting it out. And the Dolphins get another chance to kick a field goal, end up winning the game. Of course, Leon Ladd, of course, has that that run in the Super Bowl where he's about to go score a touchdown. He slows up and Steve Tasker ends up getting him 
So two two kind of boneheaded plays that he, Leon Lett ends up being remembered for. The second one, of course, happening on Thanksgiving Day. There's the winless Lions of 2007, which we'll talk about the Lions in a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry, 2008. They're going out there, and there was actually a little bit of a brushback. There is a, uh, a little outrage where generic and general football fans are tired of seeing the Detroit Lions play football on Monday night, on, uh, on Thanksgiving Day. And it's a, an obviously, you know, a franchise that is known for losing a lot of games. But in this particular season, in 2008, the winless Lions on their way to a 0-16 and season end up getting destroyed by the Tennessee Titans 47-10. And there, there continues to be talk about maybe the Lions shouldn't be playing on Thanksgiving Day anymore. couple interesting things. We know when we try to think of the history of Thanksgiving Day, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Randy Moss's big day, his coming out party happened on Thanksgiving Day. That was 1998. Randy Moss catches three balls, 163 yards, all touchdowns in a victory against the Dallas Cowboys. But two teams are so synonymous in this day and age in playing football on Thanksgiving. One of them is the Detroit Lions that actually go back to 1934. And there is a couple odd things that happen here. 1934 is the first game that the Lions ever play on Thanksgiving Day. They don't play in 39 and 40. And 41 through 40, was it 41 through 44? There's no Thanksgiving Day games because of World War II. So there is a little bit of a gap there, a five-year gap in which the Lions, you know, they play from 34 to 38, don't play in 39 and 40. And then there's no NFL games on Thanksgiving Day from 41 to 44 because of World War II. So the Lions, since 45, have played every single Thanksgiving day. And they have a record, a record that's a little bit better than you think. You know, you think they have a losing record. They do, but it's not that bad. They've won 37 games. They've lost 41 games and tied two times. So that's not bad. You know, we think of the Lions being pretty much the doormats of the National Football League. And, you know, you look at a year this year where they have some talent. You know, Matthew Stafford's been a good quarterback. But, you know, they, they seem to have not gotten anything going in the last decade or so. This is a team known for Barry Sanders. And Barry Sanders in 1997 went to town. A great game, 167 yards, three touchdowns and a win against the Chicago Bears. But you think of the Detroit Lions, and unfortunately, you think of them as really the all-time lovable losers in the National Football League. But we see them every Thanksgiving. I mean, if you are at any social gathering with your family, with your friends, celebrating Thanksgiving, there's going to be a Lions football game played at some point on somebody's television. And obviously, the 82 games that they play, they're going to play their 83rd today. And... It's, it's a tradition. You, know, you think about turkey, you think about pumpkin pie, and then there's Detroit Lions football. And then, of course, the other team that has played a considerable amount of time consecutively when it comes to Thanksgiving Day, that's the Dallas Cowboys. will be playing in their 51st consecutive Thanksgiving Day game today. And the Cowboys have been a little more successful 
on Thanksgiving Day than the Detroit Lions, 31-20-1. I'm sorry, 50, they'll be playing for the 53rd time. I stand corrected. I said 51 before. But in the first 52 games that they've played consecutively on Thanksgiving Day games, they've won 31, lost 20, and tied one time. But you think of Thanksgiving, and there's turkey, there's pumpkin pie, and then there's football. But it's just amazing to see that consecutively you've had the Lions who really, for the exception of a five-year stretch between 1939 and 1944, obviously 41-44, to 44, no games because of World War II. The Lions have played on Thanksgiving Day. Same thing you could say about the Dallas Cowboys. So another thing I wanted to think about, uh, bring up today was a couple of the different college football games that we've seen on Thanksgiving Day. And you don't see as many college football games on a Thanksgiving Day anymore. Every now and then there'll be a game, you know, see a certain matchup, a team versus a team. But uh, it used to be a bigger thing. But it, I'll, I'll point out a couple of the most significant college football games played on Thanksgiving Day. And the first one, obviously, is 1971. You got Nebraska, Oklahoma. Uh, really, one of the best college football games ever played. You know, Johnny Rogers, the kickoff return after after Oklahoma scored on their first drive. He ends up tying the game with a kickoff return touchdown. And it, it's literally a back-and-forth game. Great players there, really good college football players, including four players that are now in the College Football Hall of Fame. And it ends up 35-31. Nebraska ends up winning um, a touchdown. Jeff Kenny scores a touchdown with a minute 38 to go in the game. And it really goes down to one of the best college football games ever played. In my opinion, you know, I think of two games that stand out to me. You know, the Cal-Stanford game where the – the kickoff gets returned for a touchdown with the band on the field. And then Doug Flutie's pass for Boston College. You know, the Hail Mary ends up being caught in the end zone. Those are really the, the two games that stand out to me when it comes to college football. I'm wondering, hey, you want to throw yours my way? Go for it. But uh, really outside of that, you think of Nebraska-Oklahoma, Thanksgiving Day 1971, 35-31 Nebraska ends up winning. Nebraska was number one. At the time, Oklahoma was number two at the time. Nebraska ends up winning the national championship. Oklahoma wins their bowl game to end up finishing number two in the country. 1963, you had a uh, good matchup between Texas and Texas A&M for the national championship. Texas ends up scoring within the last minute or so in a 15-13 win. That happened on Thanksgiving Day. Um, also, the same day, there was a game between Miami of Ohio and Cincinnati. Miami of Ohio ends up winning 21-19. The coach of Miami, Ohio, was none other than the legendary Bo Schembechler. And that was his first ever game as a college football head coach. And uh, the reason that this game stands out is, number one, it was played before the Texas-Texas A&M game. And also was the first sporting event that was held since the assassination of President Kennedy. So it was significant. Um, it was happened. It happened on Thanksgiving Day, and obviously the you know the assassination had happened 
you know, a little bit before that, but sports got back on its feet. The first sporting event happened to be on 1963 Thanksgiving Day, and it turned out to be a Miami, Ohio victory over Cincinnati. A couple other games stand out to me. Now, if you think of it, if you are a diehard college football fan, you'll think of the Ivy League schools and their impact on the sport. Now, I'm not going to get all nerdy with you. I'm not going to talk about the 19th century college football. But if you go back to them, you know, you think of Princeton and Penn and Cornell and all the Ivy League schools and how great they were, Harvard and Yale. You you really talk about a college football. That was pretty much the SEC of 2020 or, you know, the ACC of the last, you know, couple decades. You know, Ivy League was where college football was played and some of the best college football was ever played at that time. But I'm going to jump into DeLorean and go up a little further and talk about 1922 Cornell Penn for the national championship. A high-powered Cornell offense, which has set a record for the most average yards per game and most total yards in a season to that point, ends up scoring nine points against a Penn team that was known for one of the best defenses at the time. And Cornell ends up winning 9-0. to zero. But you think about how dominant that offense was and really a solid, solid play game in 1922. Penn gets its revenge 25 years later on Thanksgiving Day and avenges the national championship loss to Cornell winning 21-0, Chuck Bednarik goes to town, completes an undefeated season for Pennsylvania that year. And the last game I wanted to talk about was Oklahoma-Nebraska in 1972. Nebraska ends up dropping this game 17-14, and it stands out because it's legendary coach Bob Devaney's final game as a head football coach. His offensive coordinator is some dude by the name of Tom Osborne, who ends up taking over that team and becomes a legendary Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame head coach in his own right. So we continue the theme of Thanksgiving. We talked about football, some of the greatest football games on Thanksgiving Day. We talked about the Lions and the Cowboys and their tradition. We talked about some college football games that have been played on Thanksgiving Day. But I think of a player that played baseball and his nickname was Turkey. And in fact, that became just about his legally accepted first name. And there was an outfielder that played in the Negro Leagues. He played left field. His name was Turkey Stearns. And why not think of Turkey on Thanksgiving? And it's me being the sports fan and the nerd that I am. I think of Thanksgiving. I think of Turkey. And I think of Turkey Stearns. And I bring up a couple reasons of why it's important to talk about turkey stirrings, not just on Thanksgiving, but when it comes to the history of Major League Baseball. This was one of the better power hitters that the game of baseball had ever seen. Obviously, you know, he was held back from playing in the major leagues because of his race. So he starred in the Negro Leagues. You're talking about a guy that hit 100 76 home runs in his Negro Leagues career. That's the most that has been recorded from any player that has ever played. Now, Josh Gibson 
played in a lot of other different games that didn't necessarily have box scores. You think of Josh Gibson and you say that maybe he was the best or the greatest power hitter in the history of the Negro Leagues. Now, based off of total home runs, you know, I look at Turkey Stearns. He was a feared hitter for his career in the Negro Leagues. He hit over 400 three times. He was a seven-time home run champion. He hit 344 for his career, obviously unofficially, and had a 621 slugging percentage. And when I think of the greatest offensive position players to ever play, I have to include him in my top 100. In fact, he's one of five Negro Leagues players that I include in my top 100 all time when it comes to the offensive position players to ever play baseball. You know, the book, it's on its way. It's coming out. Um, Some deep analysis and really a lot of explaining of where I'm coming from when I rank the top 100 offensive position players to ever play baseball. But real quick, the top five Negro Leagues players and five Negro Leagues players that are in my top 100 are Josh Gibson at number nine, Oscar Charleston at number 19, Buck Leonard at number 37, Turkey Stearns at number 69, and Chino Smith at number 78. A little bit of a recap of the show up to the point. We're talking about Thanksgiving Day, the history, excuse me, as it comes to professional sports. Obviously, you think of turkey, you think of pumpkin pie, and you think of pro football. Obviously, the Detroit Lions who go back to the year of 1934, playing in their first Thanksgiving Day game. They played up to 38, didn't play in 39 and 40. There was no football played on Thanksgiving Day from 1941 to 1944. And then they played on Thanksgiving Day from 1945 since. The Dallas Cowboys have played every Thanksgiving Day since 1966. We talked about some of the greatest moments, whether it's Hall of Famers Earl Campbell, Randy Moss, Barry Sanders, Peyton Manning having their days. You look at the butt fumble if you want to talk about that. Clint Longley leading the Dallas Cowboys in relief of Roger Stallback down 16-3 to end up winning 24-23. You can think of Leon Lett slipping and sliding in the snow after the famous blocked field goal that should have preserved the victory for the Dallas Cowboys in 1993. Then you think of some of the great college football games that have ever been played. The 1971 game between Nebraska and Oklahoma will go down in history as one of the greatest games ever played. And obviously that happened on Thanksgiving. Um, we th- talked about Turkey Stearns, just a dominant, dominant offensive baseball player. He's pretty good all around. Bill James ranks him in, I think, his top 25 amongst all around baseball players to ever play. And my list is different because I focus so solely on offense. But I rank Turkey Stearns as number 69 uh, as, as far as the top 100 offensive position players to ever play. So I promised if I had a little time that I was going to go over the top pro football head coaches in the history of the game. And I think it's a good debate. We could bring out a ton of different coaches that have dominated the sport. You could talk about some more contemporary coaches, such as a Sean Payton, a Pete Carroll, and maybe even some up-and-comers. You know, you look at like a Joe Judge with the Giants. Maybe he's starting what could be a great career. You look at Brian Flores with the Miami Dolphins and what he's done with 
a, a team that doesn't seem to have a ton of talent, was rebuilding, was looking to stockpile some draft picks. And, you know, this may be somebody that's going to be there for a long time. Maybe he goes and he wins a couple Super Bowls. Obviously, it's too early to throw coaches like that in there. Sean Payton's been around for a while. I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame head coach. You, know, you look at some of the other great coaches in the league, obviously there's one coach that's coaching right now that has probably done more than any other head football coach in the history of the National Football League. So it's impossible to put a top 10 list together of the best head coaches in the National Football League history and not put Bill Belichick number one. Bill Belichick by himself has appeared in more Super Bowls as a head coach than any team in the history of the National Football League. His six wins, and you you say, hey, he's tied with Tom Brady. Him and Tom Brady did it all together. That's great. But we're talking about coaches here. What other coach has gone out there and won six Super Bowls? So it's hard to beat what Bill Belichick has done. When I go to number two, I think of somebody that was just so dominant during the time that he coached. And he, he died a little bit early, prematurely. We don't know what would have been if he had a chance to run that Washington Redskins team for more than a year or so that he was there. But Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers, winning NFL championships. Of course, they started a Super Bowl. Lombardi won the first two Super Bowls as the head football coach of the Green Bay Packers. And you talk about somebody that just never seemed to lose. I think his playoff record was something like 9-1. and one. This was a coach that was just known as a legend, prepared his football players to play. They expected greatness, and they went out there and they executed. He didn't always have the greatest players. He did, he had some very good players, but he, he raised the play of those that were on that football field and is considered, in by many eyes, the greatest football coach in the history of the sport. I put him number two behind Bill Belichick. Paul Brown, you think of the Cleveland Browns. You think of Jim Brown. And maybe you could have a ranking. What What is better, the Cleveland Browns, Jim Brown, or Paul Brown? Because Paul Brown, as a head football coach, did nothing but win. He won a total of seven championships, including the four AAFC championships from 1946 to 1949. Um, the Browns, in the four years of that league, won the championship every year. And he won some other NFL championships. We think of the Cleveland Browns kind of in the same category as the Detroit Lions. Lovable losers. They haven't looked very good since they lost their franchise to Baltimore. And they came back. They were given an expansion team. Obviously, the history of those two franchises are now combined. And the Baltimore Ravens exist independently as the Baltimore Ravens. But, you know, you haven't seen you know, greatness from the Cleveland Browns. But if you want to know about greatness with the Cleveland Browns, there was a head coach they had by the name of Paul Brown. You know, there's Paul Brown Stadium. He's a pro football Hall of Famer, one of the greatest coaches the game has ever seen. George Hallis. And I just think for longevity, I, I think you have to put this guy up near the top. And George Hallis was coached as early as, you know, the 1920s. With the Chicago Bears, they had a couple other different names, and he lasted all the way until, I believe, 1970. And I'm going to look just to be 100% sure. I don't, I don't want to miss out on this, but George Hallis was the pro football head coach of 
the Chicago Bears for a long, long time. And he ended up coaching all the way through. He even played, believe it or not, as a uh, in the major leagues. A lot of people don't know that. He ended up playing in the major leagues. He got in a couple games for the New York Yankees in 1919, but coached from all the way through 1983 as an executive. Coached through 67, so 1920 to 1967. Just imagine. You're talking about the Connie Mack of pro football head coaches. Connie Mack, of course, got ownership. Same thing with George Hollis. That's how they end up, you know, coaching as long as they wanted to. And, you know, you think about Tom Landry, who ends up on this list or on my list. And if he had gained ownership with the Dallas Cowboys, maybe he could have gone out on his own terms. But George Hollis, I just think of his dominance and just being around so long. And then I go to Don Shula. Undefeated head coach in the 1972 season. The only time a team ever finished undefeated. Won a couple Super Bowls. Stayed with the Miami Dolphins forever, but before that was a great football head coach for the Baltimore Colts. There's Chuck Knoll, Bill Walsh, Hank Stram, Tom Landry, Bill Parcells. I think of a Sean Payton maybe on the outside looking in. I also think of great football head coaches such as Jimmy Johnson, Bill Cower. But when I'm trying to close this and say, hey, here's my top 10, mine's Belichick, Lombardi, Brown, Hallis, Shula, Noel, Walsh, Schramm, Landry, Parcells. I'll post this. You tell me what yours is. Be a nice discussion to have on Thanksgiving Day. Once again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Please make sure that you, know, you, you value the time that you have with your loved ones. If you're lucky enough to you know, have as many, if not all of your family members still around and gathered and together with you, you know, just be thankful. Be grateful. Enjoy the time. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.